1: really looks like so much fun the same way that the first one was fun with the you know the the big fight scene on the thomas train track and you know thomas the tank engine track and stuff like that
2: spoilers holy cow oh
1: come on man
2: it's been <laughs> two and a half years <laughs> Welcome to SpotCast, episode 22. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I'm sitting in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez, Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga. What, what? How's it going? Alrighty then. So, let's start our show with some fact check from last week's episode if you can, Jonathan. Take it away. Our fact check, uh 1245 of last episode. Uh
1: so, more than 64,000 people as of uh well, yesterday I think, have signed a petition to bring back Dark Matter for season 4. Woo-hoo. There are just over 4,000 signatures to bring back The Inhumans on ABC. Really? So, uh you were you were looking for support for your your yeah. pick i think you you definitely got it there
2: well i mean the reality is they've already struck the sets and taken apart stuff and cause it's filmed here in toronto yep. dark matter and uh yeah i mean it's it's a long shot i think we'll probably get the dark matter movie in a few years you know direct to netflix or whatever um but i, I you know i i have faint hope for that one so i really don't think the inhumans is going to get much traction right
1: yeah i think i think that might be a testament to how quickly that one's going to disappear but
2: uh yeah for sure
1: uh 23 last episode Netflix broke the uh, 100 billion mark in market capitalization as we discussed uh, earlier in January, uh, and you guys were asking about Apple's market capitalization currently at about
2: 862 billion dollars. So clearly, Tim Cook is shaking in his boots as Netflix is coming up behind him. Eh? Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. Not so much. <laughs> I mean, Netflix at
0: least joined the triple B club, I guess, if that's a if that's a thing they call it, and they're at least in the same order of magnitude as Apple. Although Apple is. Oh, I Close yeah. to getting to the trillion dollar and going up in order of magnitude.
1: Yep. Uh, I, I think it'd be interesting to see those two on a chart, though, because, I mean, if you look at them at their capitalization by, you know, years of existence, uh, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, to get come on, to that's not
2: fair. Apple's only been around, like, you know, a long time. <laughs> well, yeah. So, again, good good for Netflix, great for
1: Apple. Uh, so, 2528. Uh, I mentioned that Cloverfield 3, there was a rumor that uh, they, they could be, in talks to uh, sell that movie to Netflix so I I did look that up and uh, so there's an article from The Hollywood reporter uh, apparently as uh, paramount has um, uh, so let's see sources say it is unclear if a deal to sell Cloverfield 3 to Netflix will happen but it does say that this is on the heels of the deal that saw uh, annihilation which is a movie we talked about in our uh, 2018 movie preview. Uh, um, that one was a Paramount film. And apparently, uh, the studio is looking at movies that they think will not do as well in the theater as they might do elsewhere. So that's why they're selling off these rights. And Culverfield may fit that bill. So it has not happened yet. This rumor has been on the internet for about a week and a half. So it may still come to pass or it may not. But uh, it'd be an interesting sort of trend to see these movies going to that market because, you know, they don't think they're going to get their money back if they put them out in the movie theater. There, so right right uh and forty twenty five. jason isaacs played captain hook in the 2003 mm-hmm. film version of peter pan uh as you guys surmised he was a, a yeah. captain hook at some point
2: so who does he look like because I, I, I when i when he first was on the scene i wouldn't have been able to pinpoint who he was until of course the harry potter things but um was he does he look like timothy dalton is that who i'm thinking of? yeah maybe? yeah, I, would yeah I, I could see that yeah yeah so yeah that's probably why i get confused i was confused about him in his early career about which guy was which so thankfully he survived and the other guy's gone away
1: aren't uh, all british people related to one another isn't that a thing
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes i don't know uh,
1: and don't last know. note uh, tim you had mentioned uh, donald sutherland being in a hindline movie canada own, in his own uh he was in the puppet masters in 1994 yes. based on uh, a book from 1951
2: yeah which i think is interesting because it's about secret aliens that you know battle in parasitic invaders from outer space so he was also invasion of the Body snatchers many, many years before that. Yep. But it sounds a lot like, if you, this little synopsis sounds a lot like The X Files, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were sort of FBI kind of people, or whatever. It was, it was an okay movie. The book was way better. Yeah. You know, typical one. guy's going to say, hmm, hindline Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Surprise. That, that yeah. scans. All right. So let's move into some follow up. So you've got some, well, some tidbits, I guess, is what we we'll co- should call this section because it's not really follow up. Yeah. It's sort of per uh, se. Yeah.
1: News for people who love the stuff we love. Yep. So give her. All right. So, uh, you know, this Sunday is the Super Bowl. Um, I personally couldn't care much less about that. But uh, the good news is, if you're not a sports fan, there's still reason to tune in because we're going to get some trailers uh, for some of our big blockbuster movies that we're no, looking we forward won't. to. Yes? No, who
2: are you kidding? We are. We're going to get some trailers. We don't get to see those in the broadcast in Canada. Well, all right. Well,
1: that's a different problem. We'll, we'll get them <laughs> a week later on Netflix. We we'll get them
2: online the next <laughs> yeah, day. we'll,
1: we'll yeah. get them a week later on Netflix. Thank you very. Very much. So uh, we've got confirmation that we're going to see a trailer for Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, or a commercial. I mean, I guess a a commercial, we'll call them because they're they're a little shorter. Uh, We're going to see one for the new Mission Impossible movie, uh, Fallout, which I couldn't care less about, but I know you guys are are fans. Um, And there's a rumor that we might see our first trailer for Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, with a mere uh, four months to go until its release. Uh, They still have not released any trailers commercials or otherwise. So it'll be interesting to see if that proves true. This uh, Hollywood Reporter was reporting this today, that we're going to see uh, the trailer there. Um, we also might see trailers, might see trailers for new commercials for Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, or Wrinkle in Time. Uh, and there's a possibility we might see uh, Deadpool 2. So, again, football, we'll see, but sounds like we're going to get some some uh, some little tastes of what we're going to see in the blockbuster season this year. Right, right.
0: You yeah, know, the solo one i think is particularly needed because the the fan base of you know the interwebs or any indication is really really nervous because usually by now we would have seen at least you know like a teaser trailer and if you're going to wait until this point the super bowl just given its time frame is a pretty good time frame if you're going to go all out and spend big bucks and get a ton of people excited about what you've got to show
1: yeah they really haven't done a good job of of uh of alleviating the fears that people have of you know they changed the directors they've you know apparently gone back and refilmed things they changed some some actors you know holding out until four months before the movie comes out on a troubled production does not speak well so i think i think every one of us who is a fan of that franchise are all sort of got a little little eyebrow raise on that one Mm
2: -hmm, mm but i mean this is what we expect from disney like in terms of you know they're gonna they're gonna like milk everything they can you know they're gonna have you know the a movie about every character ever known ever seen in, in any sort of edge case of Star Wars over time, right?
1: Well, we talked about it in our in our uh, 2018 movie preview episode. That we, you know, uh, I, I'm a little dubious. I'm a little dubious about this one because you know they put out a little synopsis a couple weeks ago, and it basically read like exactly what every piece of fanfic that was written about Star Wars Han Solo backstory would be. He meets La- Lando Calrissian. He wins the Millennium Falcon. He meets Chewbacca. He does the Castle Run. Like, ah. Uh, I don't care, care, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, I like Ron Howard. I like, you know, Han Solo. Maybe it'll be a great movie. But so far, they haven't told me anything I didn't already know, or
2: anything that I want to see brought to life. Yeah, it's like George Lucas with his checklist. They're standing there, going, you know, in the, the uh what's it, the Jedi one, uh, Revenge of the Jedi, Revenge of the Revenge of the Sith. Of the Sith? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he was standing, you know, at the end of the, the last twenty minutes of the movie, he was just, you know, checking off things. Okay, this is done. Okay, the kids are born okay she dies okay you know yeah yeah (laughs) uh
1: so let's see what else we got uh good news for fans of the tv show happy happy's been renewed Mm -hmm. for season two we're gonna get the uh season one finale this week which is awesome right uh that's today right uh yeah today yep the um i don't know if you're up to date tim but uh it's it's awesome it's disgusting it's so much fun
2: yeah uh the last last episode the last
1: couple episodes have been just way over the top but awesome uh i can't wait to see what the finale brings and i'm i'm really excited they're bringing it back Mm -hmm. uh game of thrones so some game of thrones news broke last week when we got news uh there was a story that seemed to indicate that we were going to get uh season eight the final season of game of thrones next april there was an interview making its way around the interwebs uh with maisie williams who Mm -hmm. uh, apparently said that it was going to be uh coming out then uh she has since (laughs) written a huge hole in that story said that is quote completely false she said that was an old interview she said that that is not in fact what she said and so we continue to wait for confirmation as to when we're actually going to see the final season of Game of Thrones sure. still waiting <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Valiant uh, Comics uh, publishers of popular titles popular titles uh, such as exo uh, Manowar and Ninjak uh, has been sold old uh apparently um it's a company called dmg uh that had already owned a it's dmg entertainment they had previously owned a large stake in the company now they bought it wholesale and they intend to start making a series of uh blockbuster motion pictures based on these uh products properties hmm. that have been around uh some of them now 25 years it was in the 90s that valiant uh, originally launched or 89 i guess originally launched uh it was very 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 popular in the 90s. So like I said, Exo Manowar, Bloodshot, Harbinger, Man, Archer and Armstrong, Ninjak. Um, And this company, uh, DMG, uh, they were involved in movies uh, like Movie Looper. So they have a little little background in that uh, world. So interesting. We might be getting a whole new comic book movie thing. I I personally am interested because I want to see if they can start making better movies immediately with like these no offense, valiant fans, B-level superheroes heroes uh, compared to how bad the dc universe is flood i i really like the idea that they could come up with a dc or a valiant unified universe faster than dc could with like superman batman and wonder woman so perhaps it's just my perverse sense of humor but
2: yeah i kind of i mean i've never heard of any of those characters no offense to anybody but you know um i kind of wonder like would how much traction would those characters have you know mm-hmm. i guess it depends on the trailers and things like that right yeah
0: yeah I, I think jonathan's being rather generous calling it like b-level in terms of uh not quality. Quality, but recognition if i take it that way where i think it would be easier to have like a cinematic film uh a blockbuster sort of thing with like robin as the main character because you're only one step away from saying like oh yeah Batman like oh yeah yeah batman around that's right that's right whereas exo manowar i remember reading some of those comics and it would be kind of hard pressed to have somebody be like oh yeah like i'm gonna go see it because i'm a fan of the comic so you're starting from kind of ground level and, and if anything it seems like if they could take the deadpool template and, and not make a movie like that but say, okay, we've got a character that you have to really, really, really be hardcore dedicated into uh, in order to get recognition. And this isn't like, uh, you know, people who have limited contact with, you know, the outside world and the Amazonian River would know Superman and Batman and, you know, that sort of thing. You're starting with a we have to make a fundamentally good movie first and also have it be, you know, with this branding. I yep. think is probably their approach.
2: Yeah, but like Deadpool and, and Jessica Jones were sort of characters that I would never have heard of before. I mean, may have heard of Deadpool before, but, you know, and they kind of took the world by storm when they came out right yeah yeah so who knows but, who knows? but
1: the message there is make good products you know right, i think that's the right. thing that dc is kind of they're, they're like look at our huge amazing heroes you know superman you know batman well okay but are you making quality
2: products are you making yeah, those aren't the supermans that i know that's not my superman yeah they're the one that's in the current current iterations or even last couple of iterations you know you know what deadpool
1: they you know they they worked within a, a reasonable budget. They, you know, did an, a great job of really taking the genre of superhero films and taking and putting a good twist on it. Same thing with, you know, shows like Jessica Jones. Again, they they had a different type of story to tell. They got some good actors. They got some good filmmakers. They had a little bit more, you know, of a, a you know, place to go with it. And of course it was better. You know, I, I we talked about the limitations of of movies, but, you know, when you see things like Deadpool and Logan and some of the good movies we've seen over the last few years, you got to shake your head a little bit, you know, and think, well, why wouldn't Valiant have a run at it if they can get good writers and good filmmakers and good actors together?
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, we had an interview on Vulture.com this uh, last week with Kevin Feige. Uh, of course, he is the architect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, he is quoted in this piece as saying that uh, the X-Men and Fantastic Four should the. D- For Disney to acquire Fox, go through, uh, Hmm. won't be in their sort of immediate plans to bring them into the Marvel U. Uh, He said the
2: earliest. Like Marvel U being Marvel University or Marvel?
1: Marvel Universe, the the cinematic universe. uh, So all the Iron Man, Avengers, all that stuff that we're familiar with. Uh, He says that the earliest we would see something, if that comes to pass, would be around 2019, 2020. So we're easily, you know, a couple years away from that. And he said they hadn't really made decisions because they're not thinking that far ahead personally i don't believe that i think they've completely mm-hmm. thought about what they're going to do when they get these properties yeah. <laughs> you
2: know. yeah. so have they ever met in comic books the, the x-men and the avengers or? they
1: they have historically the and, and a few different times uh famously there was a series just from a few years ago that was x-men versus avengers it was a, a big crossover event uh that was quite popular and, and, a, and a good seller at the comic book shops. so uh i think there's a lot of interest in, in eventually bringing those together although it is is a matter of where do we find the Avengers after this huge uh, event picture two-part thing they've got coming up and who are the X-Men because we're going to get one more X-Men film this year. Right. So when they do bring them together, it's not like, you know, it's Hugh Jackman and, you know, Robert Downey Jr. necessarily. We might not have any of those players in the mix two years from now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Uh, some sad news. Uh, should, we do the, should we do the countdown though? Pardon me? Five. Oh, Lord. Three. (laughs) Never mind. Okay, (laughs) go go ahead.
1: (laughs) So some sad news this week, particularly for fans like Tim. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, voice actor from the Thunderbirds, Virgil Tracy, who played Virgil Tracy. Uh, His name is Jeremy Wilkins. He has died. He was 87. Uh, He was uh, in a bunch of those... um, Sorry, what's the polite term for puppets? Marionation. Marionation. Marionation he was in a bunch of the marionation uh, films, uh, television shows
2: from that area. Filmed in Super Marionation, yes.
1: Yes. Um, yes, Super Marionation, that's right. Um, he played one of the Tracy Brothers in the original Thunderbirds TV series. He played the pilot of Thunderbird 2. You got it. Uh, and he also played Captain Ochre, 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 and Captain Black in Captain Scarlet and the Mysterions, and then had a bunch of other smaller roles. Yeah, so one of those icons of that era of the, uh, of the Super Marionation. British television. Indeed, yep. has, has passed. So sad news. Mm-hmm. Um, we got news this week that Superman is getting another TV prequel series with uh, sci fi set to debut uh, Krypton coming up in March. Uh, we got news that on the DC uh, Comics forthcoming uh, app that they have been touting for a while, that we're going to see a new series called Metropolis. Uh, Metropolis is set to be a new yeah. live-action series uh, set pre-Superman in Metropolis. So we're going to get Krypton and Metropolis. Uh, oh, it's going to be a weekly live-action series. I thought Krypton was the name of the dog. No, that's Krypto. Crypto. That's Krypto. Okay. Right. Uh, and so apparently it's going to focus on Lex Luthor and Lois Lane as the primary characters. Uh, hmm. Again, I'm curious. I will... Perhaps Perhaps keep an open mind, but I'm not sure how you sustain that. So this is going to be on their new digital service. Um, they have already confirmed they're going to bring back Young Justice um, and there's a few other projects that are going to go on there that people are looking forward to. Uh, Titans, they're doing a live action Titans, Teen Titans, Titan series. Um, so this is more content. So it sounds like this is actually going to be an interesting um, digital service, but I want to see more. They've contracted this to be a uh, Thirteen episode series, so we shall see. Very strange. Yeah, apparently
0: they're going to do something. I guess uh, kind of like Gotham, right? Where Gotham takes place before oh, right, yeah is is uh, around. With from what I read on this article, the bent that Metropolis because Superman is eventually going to be there. You know, timeline wise can play a little bit more with the science fiction side of things that Gotham doesn't do that, you know, it focuses more on like the criminal underground sort of thing. And, and I guess that's what it will be. Cause at first when I hear Oh, Metropolis is like, what is it going to be like? Oh no. Like there's, you know, the, oh, no, the subway jammed again. again. Yeah. Traffic sucks. And all these like normal day to day jobs sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And this is where the concept starts to lose me. I think it's oh, like Super without Supergirl without yeah. Supergirl in it, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, we got news this week that, uh, walking dead co- creator Robert Kirkman is going to produce a new comic book film based on his uh, project Birthright. Uh, So they're going to make that into a feature film. Um, I have read Birthright. It is a good comic. Uh, So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what comes of that. The premise is basically that um, a little boy goes missing. Um, A man shows up in their uh, world uh, a year later claiming to be their son who is now an adult. Uh, mm-hmm. and so you know they have to sort of piece together whether or not this person is telling the truth and where he's been and how he could have come become an adult and
2: so there's it a tv show about that like and there's another show like that on right now um Came, it was, I think it's going into second season. Same sort of idea: the kid disappears for a while, and yeah, you know, was it flighted a navigator like that too, or something like yeah, that?
1: Yeah, I seem to recall seeing a commercial for something similar in concept to that. So uh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I think uh, you know he's proven he can make good stuff, and he's got some cash behind him, and he's got some good ideas. So what we shall see. Sure. Yeah.
2: Is he connected to the Falling Waters, one that they're replaying these days? I Falling Skies, Falling Waters, Falling
1: Skies. I I, I don't know. I don't.
2: I, they say the brought to you by the people who brought you the walking dead Ooh, that's what it know. says in the commercial
1: i do not know i will but that will. could
2: be anybody. that could be the guy who sweeps the floor at the sets of the walking dead yeah you know, I yeah i will look into that one for next week's fact check there you
1: go uh and uh we also got news this week that the greatest american hero is getting a reboot really yes hmm. uh, for those of you too young to remember and that may include co-hosts of this show uh greatest american hero <laughs> was a 1980 television program uh, starring uh, Bill Cat, William Cat, who played uh, uh, a teacher who discovers a super suit and puts it on. And when he does, he becomes this very unlikely hero who has to learn how to control his new abilities. Uh, It was probably most famous for a very catchy opening tune,
2: which Tim will now sing for us. I don't remember it. Come (laughs) on, man. (laughs) I've I've blanked that one for from my memory. It was such a horrible Oh, no,
1: Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Come on.
2: Oh, that one? No, no, I don't Oh, know. yeah. Uh, I know the song, but yeah. Yeah, ran on ABC from 1981
1: to 1983. Uh, it was, uh, again, it had this very famous song that was actually a radio hit as well. Uh, apparently, it's coming back uh, brought to life by uh, the executive producer of Fresh Off the Boat, uh, Natchka Khan, uh, and is going to be starring a female lead this time. Um, named Mira. Uh, I don't think that they've announced who that's going to be played by. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can make a go of that. Again, it is an idea that I think can be rebooted. Um, you know, anybody could be a hero. Here's, you know, you discover the suit and off you go. Um, although I think we've seen more than our fair share of the, you know, ingenue hero. How do course, I do yeah. d- d- my powers? What do I do with them? Kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they pull that off. But uh, but female sure. led female produced uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with that we could use more of that on television so off we go
2: yeah and of course you know the famous story is bill cat or william cat was one of the people who auditioned for luke skywalker yep. back in the day yep
1: yep and he's gone on to have lots of roles I and mean, he's been a, a very yeah. uh, successful character actor for a long long time mm-hmm. so
0: this is one of those shows that is just on the borderline for me um because i'm pretty i'm pretty close on age uh to being sort of just out of it so what i remember about this is very very little but i think it must have been part of the same programming uh, time uh, block where it was like you know the reruns of the 1960s Batman with Adam West and then the Linda Carter Wonder Woman oh, and then this yeah. show and this show from what I remember didn't capture me as a as a young lad which makes mm-hmm. me guess that the superhero part probably doesn't show up as often as it does in the other shows so it's kind of like where I remember big chunks of um like Night Rider or Airwolf and guess what I don't remember any of the adult parts that were probably boring to a young kid it was like oh oh, it's the car, or oh, it's the helicopter parts.
2: Yeah, yeah. I so. vaguely remember him. he had some sort of mentor, another teacher or something that he used to go and consult with. It was, it was Bob or... Culp. It was Robert Culp. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 No, that was, uh, again, I remember from when I was a young kid, again, anything with a guy at a cape and a super suit, I was on board for as a kid. So I watched it uh, when I was just a little kid, uh, you know, with the rabbit ears and the staticky television coming from the United States. But uh, it, was, uh, it was enjoyable. Again, it was one of those first ones i remember where it sort of poked fun at the superhero genre um you know batman you can make an argument was campy and the 1966 batman series was, was campy and there was a little bit of camp to the wonder woman but even at that point comic book characters you know they weren't into that ni- 19 late 80s scrim and gritty yet but they kind of took themselves you know superman yeah. was an earnest production uh so that was one of the first ones where they were sort of poking fun at the tropes of superherodom. so
2: yeah and the six million dollar man and the bionic world and those had sort of; those are starting to end. they're sort of. I think six million dollar man was over. This is probably around the time I was heading off to university, so I was out, out enjoying the nightlife.
1: Yeah. You know I mean? So it's my; it's your X Files. That was my my reason for not watching X Files. I
2: guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I had a better reason though. Yeah, yeah probably. And Tim, right. you got some news for us too? Oh, just I just wanted to ask you guys about this. I don't know if you heard this, but I saw a couple of tweets go by and i and um, rumors about Microsoft buying EA. Have you heard about that one? Uh, Electronic Arts. I've
0: seen it floating around. A a little bit and everybody's kind of wondering how
2: this would work
0: because electronic arts ea is well known for having a multi-platform strategy so they'll right, make a yeah. big blockbuster um or, or they'll have their like yearly sports series like madden for football or uh, fifa for the other football and uh, you know they, they just make tons of money from selling all there so it, people were wondering like well what, what would be the play here would it be to turn those into exclusives for xbox and and pc uh,
2: or, or just make money hello
0: i mean maybe but but you'd have to wonder, like, does it end up being uh, less money in the calculus or do you gain more because you draw more uh, fans there? And, and I have no idea. It'd be interesting to see when this fully comes out. But it certainly seems a little bit more possible considering that um, I think the quarterly results came out. Uh, I can't remember how, exactly how EA did. But one indication was that they um, they were disappointed in the sales for Star Wars Battlefront 2, which we, we've mentioned on the show before regarding the, the loot box controversy. And that was where they sold like six or seven million copies of that i think and they they thought it was going to be more like eight or nine because i think the, the idea right. and then of course the the funding or not the funding the revenue loss from uh, shutting off the loot boxes after the controversy so if there's an opportunity for it to happen it might be a good time if investors are getting nervous and then here's the the golden crusted arms of microsoft coming to save the day maybe
1: Yeah. So, so there's there have been a few stories forbes did a piece um reporting when that rumor was out and then also they wrote a piece the other day about how uh They think it would be a a foolish acquisition, not a good fit. Business Insider has a good piece on um, why uh, why it makes sense from Microsoft's perspective, just because uh, you know, as as Jaime said, you get franchises like Madden and FIFA, you get Need for Speed, so there are some potential uh, exclusives they could do there. Um, You know, it's interesting because that comes out on the news today too that uh, the Nintendo Switch uh, in ten months has now outsold its uh, predecessor, the Wii U, completely. It has completely Mm -hmm. sold more copies in ten months than the Wii U did in its entire lifespan. Uh, so I think, uh, Xbox is struggling and it's looking for ways to refresh. It was trailing PS4 previously in sales. Now it is the third selling product on the market. Um, so, you know, we're now seeing some changing on the, on the, the, the playing field of, of the powers here. So maybe they're just looking for something that will shake it up. The other rumor is that they may be looking at valve, uh, as a purchase possibility. Um, um, a valve behind uh steam which is a hugely massively important online gaming portal for uh for pc gamers yeah and mm. geographically convenient
0: because microsoft is headquartered in redmond washington and valve is in bellevue which is on the same road it's bell red road that connects it to. It's yeah. the two most convenient one so yeah i don't know if that tips the scales for them but i'm sure it's at least a consideration in terms of the, the amount of trust you can get because you can, you can go have beer or coffee with folks. Uh, behind behind the scenes and see what's going
1: on. So, so my question for you guys, you guys are both way more sort of in this tech, you know, space than I am. What's more likely to happen? Microsoft buying EA or Valve or Apple buying Netflix? Because hmm. those are, those have both yeah. been out there for a little
2: while. Yeah. See, Apple and Netflix, I don't know. I don't know that that's, that Apple's looking for that. I mean, there's been rumors about Apple come, doing something with TV for a long, long time, but I don't think that's the play because I mean, Netflix is doing quite well and, um, but there is the factor
1: because of the new changes in the U.S. tax code, uh, right. Apple is going to be able to bring all of its oh, international of money, money back yeah. into the United States. So the rumor is they're going to have about $250 billion in right.
2: liquid cash. So wait a minute. You, the, the new law allows Apple to bring that much money back in? Yes. One time. They have a right. one they always, time. They always could
0: bring in the money. It's not like they were prevented. prevented. It was more like, why would you do this? You take a huge tax. Um, yeah. Yeah, course. Uh, yeah. Taxation on it. And now it's at a reduced massively. Right reduced price
1: yeah so they would certainly still get taxed on it but it's a fraction of what they were going to do previously right so right, the yeah. the rumor is they're going to do that because it's the one time they can they can reinfuse that but then they're going to have so much liquid asset that they may be looking to make a large purchase and they were looking around at potential fits and buying something like netflix wholesale and making that the apple branded content provider might make a lot of sense
2: yeah i kind of i don't know i mean i wonder like is netflix even up for sale or, or even potentially for sale, that's I guess the question, right? if your
1: company's worth a hundred billion and somebody offers you two hundred billion, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, you throw Netflix down crazy is, money, anything's for sale, right? And Netflix is a publicly traded company also. So I mean it's really just a matter of getting the votes. So, so for you me, think, I buy think...
2: Netflix stock now.
1: <laughs> I don't think I think you could put your money in worse places. Yeah,
2: yeah, for
0: sure. So to answer your question, I think it's more likely that Microsoft would buy EA or Valve just because I think they're in a position of Um, or more likely to be in a position of panic
2: or also more likely to make a dumb move exactly yeah yeah Yeah,
0: they might dump money even though i think that it makes more sense to me for apple to purchase a netflix and acquire a lot of expertise that it currently doesn't have but that it is trying to build itself yeah or microsoft could make the
1: zune pod (laughs) (laughs) so many jokes my brain just overloaded i I couldn't get them all out my brain just hit a log jam so many zune jokes (laughs) Uh Uh comes in brown and
0: brown (laughs) right like why did they choose that color it's like somebody (laughs) knew it's like you know i'm 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 captain of this sinking ship they made me do this i didn't want to do it Uh, this is going to be my passive aggressive way of you know giving them the bird and telling them what i think Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. and to that man we
2: raise a glass (laughs) (laughs) yeah or a bucket um all right so let's move on to the main part of the show which is uh why we're here which is talking about star trek discovery this time we're talking about episode Episode 13 this is your spoiler warning spoiler warning we're going to talk about the episode called what's past is prologue episode 13 which just aired uh, last weekend which was sometime late january 20 something 29 27 somewhere around there and 28th. yeah it's jonathan's turn to sort oh sorry 28 i'm looking at a calendar it would be the 28th all right, so there um, is no time yeah, so, in podcast land. That's true. That's why you know t- saying what time we're recording this at is kind of redundant because you could be listening to this six months from now. Yeah, we see you sir, listening to it six months from now. We know you're, you're trying to catch up. It's okay. Don't worry. You're you can right. find
1: a way to send a message to the past. We'd like to know yeah. how solo a Star Wars
2: series uh, <laughs> is. We we can use some help here, kids. <laughs> For sure. Yep. All right, Jonathan. No no putting off till. So I just sat back and watched this episode. It was like what the hell?
1: <laughs> yep, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, so we'll we'll plow through. I think we all have some questions to be discussed about
2: this one. Oh, and, and I was right about one of them. Anyway, go ahead. All right, well, feel free to chime in, guys. Here we go.
1: So uh, our episode opens with the return of uh, Landry and the rest of Lorca's, <laughs> Lorca's followers. Uh, we uh, see him basically pulling them out of, uh, I don't know if they were supposed to be in the the torture chambers, the, uh, the agony boots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he basically all the people that supported him that were still alive. He basically rescues them to form himself a little uh, uh, mini army inside of the Chiron, the uh, the flagship of the Emperor. Um, Lorca then goes to uh, Mirror Stamets' lab uh, looking for uh, said Mirror Stamets and finds him cowering behind an invisible shield. Uh, he explains that uh, what his origin story was, which we were sort of speculating on. How did uh, Mirror Lorca and end up in the Prime Universe. Uh, He says that he was uh, transporting simultaneously to being in an ion cloud, and that's what ended up landing him in the Prime Universe. Um, We still don't have details on where he showed up in the Prime Universe or how that played out Uh, if he he swapped places with the Prime Lorca. So we might get some more there to unpack down the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So meanwhile, uh, on the bridge, uh, Emperor Georgiou is uh, scowly-faced and looking nasty uh burnham is with her uh burnham uh decides that it's time to bail so she escapes uh, she dives into uh were they called Jeffrey's tubes at that point uh, she she dived, Possibly, yes. dives into a crawl space and escapes uh, escapes the bridge um meanwhile uh back on discovery uh Stamets has uh failed to stop the mycelium from dying so they've got this warehouse full of these spores they do not know how they're going to get home um the poisons that is inside the network is spreading and uh, we find out that uh, the the thing that is responsible for it is the super mycelial reactor aboard the Charon. Uh, it is now threatening the entire multiverse. Apparently if uh, it's allowed to continue sucking up the energy from the mycelia, it's not just sucking it up from the mirror universe, it's sucking it up from all universes that are connected. So it will wipe out all life should this go uh, unchecked. So uh, all of a sudden we have our dun-dun-dun, things got to be done about this uh, Lorca meanwhile back on the Chiron uh, offers amnesty to all of the crew who are willing to defect to him so uh, he decides it's time to take action and we have the shootout aboard the ISS Chiron we've got uh, Lorca and the Emperor uh, you know standing basically toe to toe firing shots in a hallway a big action scene it was pretty awesome um, and in that we discover that the Emperor has Little trick up her sleeve. She can do a site to site transport. So she realizes that uh, she's outgunned. Uh, Mirror Stamus is helping Mirror Lorca and Mirror Landry, and uh, so she has to she has to bail. And all of her supporters get picked off. So she sort of finds herself on the run. Uh, so Burnham makes contact with the d- Discovery. They reveal that uh, the, the mycelial reactor is is going to destroy the multiverse. They make a plan for uh, trying to find a way to uh, get her to try and help drop the shields for the reactor so that they can actually try and take it out. Um, so, let's see, what was this right? Stamets confirms that uh, Lorca messed with their uh, jump. So As we suspected... Yeah, good Stamets. Yeah, yeah. so our uh, prime Stamets confirms that Lorca actually uh, messed with their jump. So Burnham, when she contacts the Discovery, reveals, uh, shows tells them that Lorca is from the, the Mirror Universe. Stamets says, oh, of course, that makes perfect sense. I knew that I didn't screw it up. This was clearly put into play. So this is, was something that we had theorized about before, um, that Lorca was, in fact, actually trying to get them there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mirror Stamets does not last much longer. <laughs> he gets marched over to the reactor. It looks like they're going to execute him by pushing him into the reactor. Instead, Mirror Landry puts a phaser to his back and disintegrates him. So uh, uh, in you know a couple episodes, we go from meeting Mara Stamets to no more mere Stamets. there's uh, our first big casualty of this episode um, Lorca gets on the comms he's trying to locate Burnham uh, she's alone on the ship she's trying to figure out how she's gonna get out of there how she's going to be able to help the discovery uh, he starts making these very creepy speech about how he wants her back and how you know she should come stay with him and uh, Burnham ends up tracking down the emperor because he knows she knows George Al, so she figures out where she's going to be and uh, the two of them vowed to stop Lorca. They put their heads together and try and uh, form an alliance, which is kind of a weird twist given we've seen the Emperor be really nasty and we had yeah, tried to kill her twice already, <laughs> yeah, yeah, vowed to kill her, and yeah, so that that was kind of a weirdly fast turn. Uh, so uh, back on the disco, uh, Stamets Antilly, and Tilly and Seru and Detmer in the group decide that uh, the best way to uh, stop the mycelia reactor on. The Chiron is to load the, their mycelia onto their photon torpedoes to destroy the reactor. Um, but then they also figure out. Tilly figures out that the blast wave, can't, uh, the blast wave that was, will be created by that explosion will kill them all. Uh, and Saru launches into this speech about how he doesn't believe in the no-win scenario and doing his best James T. Kirk, uh, you know, uh, rant. He, he does his St. Christmas Day speech and says, "We shall overcome," and uh, he, you know, rallies them. All they decide to heck with it. Even if we're going to die, we got to do this because otherwise the universes are going to die anyway. So we may as well just go for it. Uh, Burnham and uh, the Emperor uh, appear to be turning themselves in to Lorca. They make their way up to the throne room. Or is, is the throne room and the bridge the same thing? Do you, uh, yeah,
2: I think so. Yeah, maybe.
1: So they so they turn themselves into Lorca and in the throne room. He's you know all feeling very proud of himself. He is now you know poised to become the new emperor. Uh, she offers. Uh, she being Burnham offers to stay with him. If he spares the discovery, uh, the emperor vows to kill Lorca. Um, back on meanwhile, meanwhile, back on the disco, uh, Tilly and Stamets figure out how to ride the explosion of mycelial energy that they're going to trigger by destroying the reactor to kick their spore drive into gear and try and ride that wave back to their own universe. Uh, and this is our first indication that this is all coming to a head really fast. Uh, uh, Discovery gets the signal from Burnham, drops out of warp. Uh, Burnham gives through the signal, and they target, instead of the reactor, they target the throne room. And this sets off a huge fight scene where we see Burnham and Landry going toe-to-toe, uh, you know, uh, throwing down. We get the Emperor versus Lorca. There are people shooting at them while they're simultaneously fighting. It's actually a really, really fun, fast-moving scene. Uh, Michelle Yeoh as Emperor Georgiou is just supremely badass. Uh, At one point, somebody throws a knife at her, and she kicks it out of the air. It's just awesome. Um, So we see these people all going Uh, toe-to-toe. At one point, Lorca stabs Landry probably by accident. Uh, Lorca actually beats Georgia and uh, is poised to win. Then Lorca and Burnham square off, and the two of them are going at it. Uh, Burnham actually wins that fight, and then announces that because she's the better person, she's going to spare Lorca at which point Georgiou runs him through with her imperial sword uh, and kicks him down into the reactor where we see his skin fly off. Uh, okay. therefore, therefore, we assume killing him. But then he's joined the mycelial network again. All right, well, so that's a discussion for the end of this. <laughs> uh, so the emperor uh, at that point, uh, the the emperor sort of says, I will hold off Lorca's followers. I am dead the, the remainder of Lorca's followers have, down my ship, have yeah, seen yeah. my neck, she says, and so she says, you know, I'll stay here, I'll hold them off, Burnham, you, you go back to your ship and get out of here. Uh, so as Burnham's teleporting out, she just at the last second reaches out and grabs the Emperor and the two of them beam back to the Discovery. Uh, Discovery targets the reactor, destroys the Chiron, and as they planned, they surf through the regenerated network uh, of mycelial network and they ride that back to theoretically uh, through through the mycelial network um, we have this scene where we see Stamets who's trying to uh, find his way through and he can't and then he remembers the sound of music and what Culber had told him inside the network that he needed to follow the music so he listens he sees the clearing in the forest and uh, finds the right path and leads them back to their universe very curiously in the aftermath of that one of the mycelians drifts down and we see it land on Tilly I'm not sure what we're supposed to make of that yet mm-hmm, we'll discuss mm-hmm, yeah. uh, Discovery poof shows back up its own, in its own universe they do a scan and they realize oh they kind of overshot their goal they're back in their universe but they've also flown forward in time so it's nine months yeah. after they left and so they decide to do a map update their computers you know resync their iTunes and they realize <laughs> that they are actually uh, nine months in the future and that the Klingons Pangons appear to have conquered and won the war. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. dun dun
2: dun. They didn't use iCloud for backup. Um, yeah, so it's interesting that that maybe we'll talk about the sneak preview in a in a little bit. But yeah, that's uh, that's where it ended. But of course, I have another memory in my mind because of, I just saw a sneak preview at the end of After Track. You and your After Track man. You're just... I know, but there was lots of lots of action going in on this one, and, and I, I, I will have to go back and watch the fight scenes because you know I'm not a big fight scene fan. So. I'll have to go back and watch because I missed the bit about her kicking the knife out of the air and all that stuff. But
1: well, uh, she—I can't remember—it's her. Someone throws a knife and it hits Lorca yeah. and ends up in oh. his shoulder. He yanks oh, okay. it out and then goes to throw it at her. Right, I saw that she, part. Yeah, she spins her leg up and kicks the knife out of midair, and it is yeah, just yeah. the most Michelle Yeoh moment. It's just oh yep. man, she's she's such a, she's there. She's such yeah. a great martial arts actor. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah sure. The moment I also remember is like, I can't remember who was choking her from behind, but she does the like kick my legs yeah. straight up and hit the person in the face oh i so see that in so many of her movies is so awesome
1: <laughs> so good I mean it's it, it seems a, a mildly out of place in that Star Trek mm-hmm. universe where you know you get a lot of bad Jim Kirk fight scenes but she is a tremendously badass woman and
2: well and Burnham's got that that Vulcan martial arts thing too yeah right? yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: no I was it was uh, I, I again it was all the different dynamics and and the bridges on fire and right. locus Supporters are shooting at them, and right. so they have to, you know, dodge and evade and, and there's fight a hole them down and...
2: to fall down into the pit where the uh, where the reactor is. And
1: yeah, it's a good like five minute sequence in a very jam packed episode. Uh, yeah, but really, really, really well done. Yeah. So action. the burning question, not the Burnham question, the burning question, yeah, is Lorca dead?
2: Well, so here's the thing: uh, Jason Isaacs was on After Trek, of course, and so he, I think, I think you said that he'd signed up for somebody said he'd signed up for one year did i know I, th- I think we were talking about that as as is he a one one year wonder he did sign up for one year but i think you said last week he had signed up for one year in his contract but then again he also said that i've been lying all the way through this so that's, you never know yeah right?
1: that's the thing
2: because they asked him they asked him on the show so like so how did you how did you manage to pull this off and he says i was sworn to secrecy couldn't even tell his, his family what was going on and whatever right so very interesting and we kind of thought we were kind of wondering whether whether um oh you did miss one part um but we were wondering whether uh he like michelle yo was going to be in for one season or, or just for a few episodes right but just did you did you mention that just as uh they start transporting yep. burnham back yep, to yep. she grabs so she grabs the Emperor and then Amper the says what have you done to me because yep. she ends up on the on the disco right yep so.
1: so we have uh i i'm not sure how that one fits into the prime directive at that point where you're supposed to pull people yeah. back from that but
2: uh yeah well burnham's been breaking the rules all along right so
1: yeah so it's nine yeah. months into the- the future they've got the mirror Emperor slaughterer of worlds 15 different nasty titles yeah, aboard yeah. the ship now uh yeah. so what's what's the end game two episodes to go yeah. is this felt weirdly <clears> premature <throat> I don't know again it was a great episode it was really enjoyable uh but it seemed like they were just tying up threads all over the place right. which with two episodes to go kind of seemed you know we talked last week about how we kind of in, were enjoying the mirror universe and uh, a direct quote from you, sir. I listened to this week's episode, or last week's episode just the other day, and you said, "There's no way they get out of this in three episodes. It got out of it in one episode."
2: <laughs> yeah, but they're they're still in the thick of it. They're still in the thick. Of it. By the way, just I just I just interject here for a second. She, her most imperial Majesty, Mother of the Fatherland, Overlord of Vulcan, Dominus of Kronos, Regina Andor, Philippa Georgia, Augustus Alapanus Centaurus. All hail the Emperor!
0: Yikes! It's quite the names. Like a game. A throne style name, yeah. I, I made note of that. <laughs> yeah, um I I also was surprised that they moved along that this clip. I mean, I I think just this very last episode, I, we were talking about. Oh, what do we think is going to happen? And I had a, a prediction that is completely wrong now about what the episode titles meant. And I thought for sure, given the way that they like the kind of things that they did with that uh, cliffhangery sort of moment of like, oh, the Klingons have won the war. Like that would feel. It feels like that if you took that scene, you know, out of context, it would feel like oh that's a good cliffhanger for come see us in season two, you know, 2019 sort of thing. Yeah.
1: yeah true. Like it, yeah, yeah. It, it almost felt like the previous episode where we finally get the confirmation that Lorca is the mirror Lorca, that it's all been building to that. That could have been where you ended a season. And then we get to the end of this episode and you think, Oh, that could have been a great cliffhanger to end of the season. How are they going to top that for two more episodes to where we really get to the end of the season? <laughs> well, of, I mean, and the end the of the,
2: the end of the first episode, I, I believe it was the first episode, episode where they end up surrounded... Was it Discovery I'm thinking of now, maybe? Where they get surrounded by the, the, the Klingons. So I guess it was the, the third episode of this, of this series, right? Because the first two were about Burnham and Georgiou, right? Yep. And just just point of fact that Dark Dark Matter, the cliffhanger at the end of season four, is the same thing. <laughs> They're surrounded by all the bad guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, cue but, the movie. But
1: we already know that Discovery's getting a second season as opposed to season five of Dark That's Matter. True. So. That's true. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah the, the trailer for the upcoming episode and i'm gonna look at the name of that that is the war without the war within right uh the, the the teaser i saw for that kind of walks back the statement a little bit of like oh the klingons won the war I'm like well they've apparently occupied 20 percent of uh, federation territory and, and things are really bad and we see um sarek and admiral cornwell come in and it looks oh, like so you
2: did see that te- that teaser i was just talking about yeah
0: it wasn't in well i, I haven't seen after trek but it was right. like like when i was streaming it's like the last minute or so like next time Time on Discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It right kind of right, seems yeah. like that. George O is going to help them fight, and I wonder if that's you know revising my prediction here of like, oh, maybe the war without is you know the, the more straight up war with the Klingons, but the war within might be. Hey, she's she's helping us win because she's teaching us how to fight dirty. Yeah, maybe.
1: You know, and we still, for the record, even though we didn't see him in this episode, we still have Lorel and Vokyler down in the, the the brig somewhere. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, they kind of got lost in the shuffle of a jam packed episode. But we never really got a conclusion as to, uh, you know, I think Jaime, you had surmised that, uh, you know, uh, that Volk was dead and Tyler was now the personality in the body. And we're, we're, yeah. we're sort of left to speculate what's going on there. I uh, wonder if they're going to play a role in this last little stretch and fight, you know, trying to find a solution to the Klingon occupation. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Just
2: just before you get into that, uh, just I don't know if you've noticed that the, t- the title is at the end of the show. They mentioned Mary Chief. Cheffio as a guest appearance on on at the end of that episode, hmm. the one before, and this one I think um, oh they mentioned Rekha Sharma as a guest appearance on this one yeah so, yeah she didn't last long on this one again right
1: yeah again welcome back oh you're gone again
2: <laughs>
1: again it's I, I do like uh, you know the way they have woven some of those in we talked a few weeks ago about how they brought back the helmsman from the Shinjo right. to come back and be the captain when the Shinjo yeah. comes like it's you know there are so many of these ones where you know it could just be any character and they could bring it back. But the way they're looping it all together is actually a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Like I said, a couple of weeks ago, are you really dead in the mirror universe or can you be really dead?
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: You know, cause I, I, cause cause here's the thing, like, like where's good Lorca? Where's prime Lorca?
1: That's, I think the big question is, right. will we see a prime Lorca ever? Will we see a prime Lorca this season? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, did one of you guys say that you had heard that we were going to see mirror
2: Culber? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they Showed a costume design for his costume because we never did. No, we didn't. No, it, right. interesting. Was but, that more uh, 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 misdirection? Do you think? Uh, perhaps, right? Because they, well, they couldn't give away. Because he did say that in that episode, um, the actor I forgot his name. Now uh, he did say that uh, that he was he had filmed what he thought was his his best scene, and that was when we saw this weekend. This this week with uh, with him um, advising um, Prime um, Stamets, right? Right. In the mycelial network. He's probably gonna appear in the Mindy Network whenever Stamus falls asleep and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. That's a convenient little thing there, right? Yeah. Wilson
1: Cruz, yeah. I think is the uh Wilson Cruz yeah, name you were yeah. you were fishing for.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean like okay, so there was there, I think there was a few things in this so did they catch any like Jonathan, you're you're the guy, right? You're the bar, you're the barometer. <laughs> was there anything in this episode that you didn't expect to see? Like maybe the sword going through Lorcas chest or
1: Yeah, um, I, I kind of expected if they were going to like as i realized this was sort of coming to a head in a faster sense you could tell from the pacing you know within the first few you know 15 minutes of the episode you were like oh this is this is going somewhere fast um which was really weird because it's been a slow burn and then it was just like whoa afterburners here we go yeah yeah um yeah i thought maybe they would give him something more ambiguous Mm -hmm. uh you know and and i guess they did uh the sword through the back looked pretty bad as eddie's sword through the back would uh and you know Then, of course, uh, Giorgio kicks him down into the mycelial reactor uh, and we see his skin burning off, which was a pretty Mm -hmm. graphic scene for Star Trek, I would say. Um, You know, you could make a plausible argument that you as you said, maybe he's absorbed into the mycelial network and could pop right. up again. But I kind of had a feeling that they would, uh, you know, try and find a way that they could keep him in the back pocket because he is Jason Isaacs is delightful. I mean, he's been yeah. chewing up the scenery and spitting it out a little bit, but you know, he's clearly great in that role. He plays a, an excellent jackass. Like he just he's yeah. he's a great villain. Like he <laughs> he really is. Um, so I I, I kind of hoped that they would find a way to sort of keep him you know wouldn't just outright butcher him but i don't know that looked pretty definitive
2: yeah but you know what in in the spirit of of mirror mirror i mean we call it the mirror universe which implies it's binary right but as i mentioned before in heinlein and and in rick and morty and and even on the big bang theory they talk about the fact that it's multiple universes well that's right? they
1: actually they actually used that term uh when they were talking about when the the disco crew was talking about that in engineering they used the fir- phrase multiverse for the first time i can recall And the reason that tweaks to me is because as a longtime comic book fan the DC universe has long held to that multiverse concept uh, and they actually brought that into the television CW universe over the last few years in uh, Flash, Flash and Supergirl or in different parallel universes. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. This is the first time I can ever recall that phrase being uttered in Star Trek. They've talked about a mirror universe but they've never really gotten into that idea of, of infinite universes although I suppose we have the Kelvin timeline so maybe. But it's it leaves the Door open to well, maybe there's another universe and another universe and another universe that we could see down the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That might be interesting. I, I, although I don't know how much more delightful you get than Captain Killy and uh, you know some of the stuff that they were. You know, like this is the deepest dive we've had into this universe. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think answering the question of like, is Lorca really dead? I think they wrote themselves a way that he can, he can come back because of the um, the little green mycelia. Spore that goes into yeah, It, it, it seems true. like they were setting her character up for a counselor Troy moment, where every season <laughs> counselor Troy was like space pregnant or space possessed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so he doesn't need a contract for Anxiety. that. Right? It's like yeah. you know, all right, he's not going to show up until like you know midway or maybe at the end of season two, and we just need to pay him for like one episode, sort of thing. Yeah, true,
1: true. But I, I don't even it, I, I could just Mary Wiseman has been a lot of fun. She's been probably my favorite. Uh, uh, actor and character in Tilly that I've enjoyed in the series so far although I really like Doug Jones as Saru as well but um, I would love to see her doing Jason Isaacs I think that could
2: be oh, yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah, fun doing, a, doing, her, doing yeah. her
1: best like smirking Jason Isaacs right. bad guy for an entire episode or two like that could be so
2: much well, fun we also have, yeah we also have to have back uh, Harry Mudd too right so
1: yeah you know I wonder if he's in the immediate offing I don't think we'll see him again this season because it just seems very unlikely.
2: Well, but. So and you haven't seen the, the the sneak preview, but Jaime and I obviously have from at different points. But so what happens, we think next anyway, is that all of a sudden the Admiral beams onto the ship and, and points her phasers and with her team of guys, including Sarek, I believe, right, Jaime? And, point, and they're on mm-hmm. the bridge and they're, they're like, where's Lorca? Like, where is he?
1: Well, yeah, because right. they were about ready to court-martial him yeah. when he, yeah. he used Stamets and disappeared, right? Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so from their perspective, a-
0: They've been looking for this outlaw. The discovery is gone, and right, now it has right. come back. You know, nine months later. Right. I'm also kind of curious to see the relationship between Emperor or Mirror Giorgio and Saru, because from mm-hmm. her perspective, it's like oh, communicating he's food, with a yeah. bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right. Like, yeah. don't <laughs> <Yeah. how> she <laughs> okay, have okay. any respect for this guy who's ostensibly the captain now? I would. I oh, could I please? If, I hadn't she, thought about that. if
1: when they meet next episode, she just says, "You look delicious," or you know, like this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> show me. Your you eat like, people
2: like you for lunch yeah, yeah that's yeah oh please 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 <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny i hadn't thought about that
1: yeah i mean that's the part that we haven't really gotten into is as uh we didn't get that sharing uh burnham doesn't reveal sort of what the fate of uh mirror Suru and kelpians in general has been right she's yeah. she's kept that one to herself because she she knows that saru who for the record is now captain saru yeah yeah he is full on the captain of that ship so that'll be Interesting too. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, you know how how that plays
2: out. Yeah, indeed. Well, there's going to be. I mean, yeah. I, it's, I mean, what the role of um, Georgia is going to be like? She like, she has that sort of um, Karen uh, universe attitude towards war, right? That's that's you know win at all costs kind of thing, which the Federation isn't really prepared for. And if they're if they're fighting against the Klingons, they're going to need some some uh, some weaponry. And then then of course we've got Lorca. Lark- and Tyler in the basement there, you know, in the brig, who can come and advise on fighting against the Klingons too, I suppose, right?
1: Yeah, I guess it remains to be seen who came out of that little brain salad surgery that uh, that Lorel yeah. did as to where that leaves them as far as their allegiances. If she realizes that, uh, as Jaime surmised, that that Voke, his personality is now gone and that what right. remains is the personality of Ash Tyler in this uh, now humanized Klingon body, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. does that mean that she has nothing left to lose and she's all in with them
2: right right well we kind of thought that if she's if they stayed in the mirror universe that she would have joined the crew but no, so now what happens now she's a prisoner of war if, if you will right and um, a bargaining chip I suppose and um, Tyler now has a, a unique 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 role in this war because of his you know innate Klingon he's always Klingon as they like to say right you know
1: I wonder if he retains Volks' memories because he was speaking Klingon as uh, I mean yeah, you pointed out last yeah.
2: episode he but English, yeah. He
1: was speaking without Volk's voice. He was speaking the lines, so I wonder if he retains those memories. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really unclear, and I'll probably have to
0: rewatch a lot of these episodes to see what they were doing because it, it happens really fast uh, in that episode, and it's on. Un- it was really unclear to me as to what they were doing with their mental scooping thing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, two episodes. So will you go two. back and watch them all again, or at some point?
0: I think I might do that during the um, like the quieter part of the year you know when right. we go into the summer break sort of thing we won't have as much binging yeah. you just binge through um you know episodes at a time where i think as we talked about last episode now that you know what was happening you know what they were intending can you go back and see how they were hinting towards certain yeah things? memento style
2: right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah for sure all right well that's cool i guess we can uh move on to our uh picorama right so what do you got there Jaime?
0: i have here the trailer for the new marvel movie ant-man and the wasp mm-hmm. this is the follow-up to uh ant-man which came out a couple years ago i think um and i think if that movie was something we described as a heist movie you know kind of a traditional heist movie but with superheroes laid on top this one just judging from the trailer feels like more of a chase movie like a you know like terminator terminator 2 are both big long chase movies they're running away from the bad guys right that's sort of the the sense we got here and we get a chance to see—I um, forget the character's name—but we get to see uh, the Wasp
1: character uh,
0: come out. The uh, daughter of
1: Hope Van Dyne.
0: So is that the actress's
1: name? Oh, uh, Evangeline Lilly is the actress. Hope Van Dyne is is the Wasp character. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's
0: Pym's daughter. Okay, got it. Um, and it, it looks it looks good and fun. If you liked Ant Man, I think you'll enjoy this one as well.
1: Yeah, it looks uh, it, it, the trailer looks like so much fun. The same way that the first one was fun with the you know the the big fight scene on the Thomas train track and you know Thomas the Tank engine track and stuff like that spoilers holy cow Oh, come on man it's been two and a half
2: years
1: (laughs) we're we're there it's on netflix go on you go uh yeah no i mean in the same way that it was just it was it was heisty and fun and just had a tongue-in-cheek kind of tone to it i think this one looks like it's got that same kind of you know how many silly things can we shrink and grow and play with that dynamic It, it, it does it looks like a lot of fun it looks like a great summer enjoy movie especially when we uh black panther looks amazing amazing but it looks intense like it doesn't look like it's a, a hoot and holler and it's not thor ragnarok it's not Gardens of the galaxy it looks intense right more dramatic for sure and uh i think the tone of avengers uh you know looks like the new avengers movie is gonna be an intense one to infinity war uh because you know the trailer looks really serious thanos is there infinity gauntlet uh, uh, you know, probably casualties. So I think by the time we get to Ant Man and the Wasp, we're all going to be like, can we can we not cry every time we watch this universe, or or you know, grip the edges of our seats? uh i think it'll be a good palate cleanser yeah there's a a scene from the trailer
0: where paul rudd uh, ant-man's character and uh, hank pym uh, michael douglas are talking he's like what you gave her suit wings and shooty thingies?" like uh oh i guess you didn't have that for my suit huh he's like no i did yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no again the the first one paul rudd's a great comedic actor and he was actually pretty good as a leading man in an action flick um so you know they're playing to, to both those strengths and they are seem to be having a good time so yeah i think it's gonna be a winner I, i'm looking forward to it right
2: right hmm. what else we got there uh
1: i got a couple things well two one two three I'll, I'll do three things but i'll keep them short um so there was a story uh from io9 uh this week that uh there has a uh plan in place uh on indiegogo to fund a documentary based on the life of the first african-american in space a guy named guy blueford uh, uh, very little-known story about how uh, this person was the, you know, groundbreaking in that, uh, yeah, he was first African-American in his base, and mm-hmm. uh, he published, uh, or he didn't publish, he wrote a memoir, but it has not been published. His story is little-known. Uh, so there is this, now this campaign on Indiegogo to try and uh, to put this to film, to tell this man's story about uh, oh. where his place in history is. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm, I must admit, I was familiar with the story, um, there's yeah. a great story on io9. I highly recommend you check it out. It's io9.gizmodo.com um, written by Cheryl Eddy. And it sort of tells you a little bit of his backstory and has an a, a, a interview with um, the person who started this campaign. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where this goes because uh, I'd like I'd like to see that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also got uh, one I'm not sure about. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, so I'm going to raise this one as a not just a pick, but a discussion so there's a new series that's premiering this week on netflix called altered carbon have either of you seen the right. trailer for altered carbon yet no no i have and i thought i don't know
0: we we went through a period uh maybe a month or two ago where there were just so many different series being announced that i thought this might have been one of the the ones we mentioned in like a slew of five others where i thought oh it's kind of like uh transcendence and matrixy and um surrogate e and i i think this is the the same one. I don't I'd have to go back and listen to that episode to see if this is the one I was talking about.
1: Yeah, so the the premise is basically uh it's supposed to be set in the distant future, sort of a cyberpunky kind of future. Uh human consciousness can be digitized and downloaded into different bodies. So it's got a little bit of surrogates, it's got a little bit of uh, you know, some sci-fi elements we're familiar with. So um uh James Perfoy plays uh Lawrence Bancroft who is brought back to life after 250 years uh, and uh so the, the idea is that then he has to try and figure out his own murder case in this, oh, really? <laughs> this far flung future after being dead for 250 years. Uh, hmm. The trailer looks pretty cool. Um, I'm not a crazy big cyberpunk fan, uh, but the effects look pretty good. It's got some nice high production value. Um, and I've read some positive things so far uh, in the people who have had the sneak preview. It, 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 it's creeping onto the radar. I, I think I might check out the first episode this weekend and see, see how, that
0: is cool all right yeah i want to check this one out too i knew it was coming out on netflix sometime in february so it's good to hear that it's uh this weekend um are they releasing all episodes at once or are they doing a once a week
1: sort of thing uh i believe it's all at once this is a netflix series and so mm-hmm. february 2nd we're getting the drop so i think we're getting all the episodes at once okay cool yeah and my last little one is i'm just gonna keep ringing this bell till i get you guys on board but the good place <laughs> season two season finale is uh thursday so by the time this episode is up the second season will be over uh it is still brilliant it is funny it is smart it is still my favorite show on television uh it is smart sci-fi it is funny sci-fi uh it is accessible for every type of audience uh the actors are amazing the writing is amazing uh i i can't wait to see how they wrap up this second 14 episode season uh you guys have to watch it uh, you, you just have to it's so good it's so much fun uh uh, they are going places with this concept that are constantly uh, genre bending and fun and interesting. Uh, it, it is just such a great show. I cannot endorse it hardly enough. Yeah, I think I saw that the first season is available on Netflix. So that'll make it easier it's, to watch. It's one of those ones. I, I I, think you guys will sit down and you will enjoy it. But if you, walk, if you make it through the first season, you will 100% want to watch the second season. There's just so much interesting stuff that happens that it just builds. And as you're watching it, it just keeps building. And by the time you get to the end of the first season, you're going to be like, I got to see season two. Uh, it's so unlike what you'd expect from uh, like, a this is a network sitcom. This is an NBC show, uh, but it's uh, by Mike Schur, who, again, we talked about it, just Parks and Rec, very smart, very, very, very talented uh, TV creator. Um, and it's one of those ones where the, the cast gets their characters so fast. There is a great chemistry between all of them. It just comes together so fast. Fast and it's so it t- it turns and twists it, it the, the characters get a lot of depth and definition very quickly. There's a lot of unexpected things that happen, but it's it's a mix of funny and and melodramatic. It's 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 just so much fun and it's 22 minutes an episode. You can watch the whole season, it's 14 episodes. You can watch the whole thing in like five hours. It's excellent and I highly recommend it.
2: Yeah, I've seen I've seen at least one episode of it, if not two or one and a half, maybe I guess.
1: Yeah, the, the first episode is as a sort of a two parter. It sort of of meant to be sort of seen it, when it premiered it was a, an hour long so they've split it into two episodes for netflix um, yeah. And that sort of sets the stage for sort of where the status quo is and then we sort of uh, start to unpack more about the different characters and some of the you know sure. mysteries of what's going on in the good place and, and uh, yeah it just keeps getting better and better and I'm, I'm dying to find out how they wrap it up uh, it is to give you an idea of sort of it's uh, broad spectrum that mm-hmm. is the only thing that all four members of my family
2: will stop and watch when it's really all four that's, that's incredible now
1: to get my 12 year old to agree to watch anything <laughs> anything,
2: anything with the yeah, family
1: is next to impossible so the fact yeah. that even he is on board he has watched every episode so has my 14 yeah. year old my wife and myself we have watched all of it and now it is appointment watching like we want to see it when it's on right right Yeah.
2: well I can tell you a couple of things that, uh, that I've been watching is I've been watching Absentia and I haven't really I've seen two episodes of that so far and it's got the some sort of usual stuff but they got some really weird twists in The plot, which I want to see where they go, um, not not super highly recommended, but it's an interesting, interesting show. But I I have to say the X Files has redeemed itself. The latest episode that just aired uh, last week this one they air, are airing right now, but the one that aired last week was was just was fun. It was um, a send up on the old uh, Twilight Zone episodes, and and uh, it's it's twisty all the way through the whole show, and uh, ends up being classic uh, X File, you know, type of of, uh, romp romp comedy through the x-files if you can, if you will right so pretty good cool so like the first episode of the season as i said before was just abysmal like horrible <laughs> yeah you seem and pretty the se- despondent after that first episode. <laughs> oh it was like I, I was like what were they thinking right and then the second one the second episode was was pretty good it was you know typical kind of um uh farce that they they the kind of Mulder Mulder scully farce that they go through and then this last one was just sort of uh was was funny i don't want to give anything much way but I'll tell you it starts with a little black and white Twilight Zone type episode um, and it goes on from there right so.
1: have either of you guys had a chance to check out counterpart the new star no. series
2: no no I haven't
1: so I uh, I just
2: got back I actually
1: spent the last few days uh, in Kitchener Waterloo which is uh, for those who might be listening from afar uh, is sort of uh, Canada's tech hub uh, I was up mm-hmm. doing a, a tech seminar for the last few days and it was awesome uh, but what that meant was uh, Uh, driving through the tundra, as Canada is. Uh, So I was in my car, and I've been listening to podcasts for hours and hours at a time. Uh, So J.K. Simmons was on the latest episode of the Bill Simmons podcast, No Relation. And uh, he was... I love J.K. Simmons. He's one of my very favorite character actors um, and and a legit star. He's in this new series uh, called Counterpart, which is... I'm going to flag that one as sci-fi. So the the premise is essentially that um, it is set in a sort of a uh, future place um it's sort of a thriller so the idea is that um this character Howard Silk is sort of a you know everyman bureaucrat working somewhere in uh eastern europe he's an american um he discovers that there's a secret inside the agency and it turns out that there is a uh, parallel dimension. And through that, Howard ends up through this uh, pilot episode meeting his counterpart, who mm-hmm. is the opposite of him and is, you know, the much more aggressive. So we have J.K. Simmons playing off J.K. Simmons right. in this sort of sci-fi mirror universe kind of, kind kind of yeah. way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, mean, I have not had a chance to check it out. Um, the first episode was directed by Morton Tilden. Uh Morton Tilden, uh director of um, Imitation Games which came out mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, movie Benedict Cumberbatch movie from a couple of years ago was nominated for an Oscar he was nominated Morton Tilden was nominated for an Oscar for Best Director um, so they put some big money into this uh, it got a immediate two season order at Stars. it was mm-hmm. shopped around it was uh, Netflix was interested HBO all the usual people were interested in Amazon uh, but apparently Stars were the ones who stepped up and said we like the idea so much and J.K. Simmons being attached so much we'll give you mm-hmm. 20 episodes order so Nice. It's in it and uh, after listening to this interview and him talk about it and why he got involved and what it what it's about I'm I, I'm really kind of curious. Hmm. So we need to pick a new yeah, show. We got two
2: more weeks of Star Trek. We need to pick a show we can all <laughs> yeah, get on yeah, board, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, Rick and Morty, come on. Rick
0: I'm and Morty. trying to remember here. I, th- I think I've seen commercials for this now as you described it where uh, he's the guy who plays J. Jonah Jameson yes. and yeah. the farmer's yes.
2: insurance commercial guy.
1: You got it. Yeah. You got it. Most notably for winning an Oscar bum. a couple
2: of years ago for Whiplash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Minor detail there. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, this is, I mean, his most famous role, I think, and even spite of winning an Oscar a couple of years, his famous most famous role is still playing uh oz right he was the main villain in hbo's series prison series oz which is uh as they pointed out in this great uh, it's a great interview on the Vilk simmons podcast i recommend you like it if you uh, listen to it if you like jk simmons they talk about oz and sort of how it gets lost in that sort of prestige television uh landscape everybody thinks about the wire and right. breaking bad mad men but if mm-hmm. you go back a little further oz was really the one that sort of started breaking that barrier down of how yeah, safe mold, how yeah, yeah. big and and smart and scary and intense you could be on cable television. Like, that was groundbreaking right. television at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's true. And it was Australian, wasn't it? Uh, uh, no, I think it's a different Oz. Oh, okay, different Oz. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> Oz, Oz. Uh, I also, I would just like to say for the record that J.K.
2: Simmons, the J is for Jonathan. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Jonathan Kimball Simmons. All, that's all good. Okay, well, so listen, we've got to run. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to Find you on the interwebs. Where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the hair. All right, and Jonathan, if people want to find you on the interwebs. Where would they look? Uh, I'm on Twitter as at Tim. No, that's somebody else. I'm uh, on Twitter as at <laughs> JPK News. That was a wise guy. So I was <laughs> going to announce, but now maybe I've changed my mind. No, no, I'm kidding. So if you want to find out more about your hosts, you can tune into the latest episode of Roundabout Creative Chaos, Episode 102, starring JPK himself, Jonathan Kuline, and as the guest and in the hot seat. And then uh, if you go back to episode in number 89, you had Jaime Lopez Jr. in the hot seat. And who answers the, the immortal question, boxers or briefs? <laughs> oh, I'm glad um, I didn't get that question. That's good. <laughs> Is that not uh, part of the rotation anymore? No. Is that the 15th question well, anymore, we, Tim? We actually do. We've asked a few people that one uh, since then. But,
1: they asked me ribbed uh, or unribbed. I didn't know what that meant.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said I like ribs. I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about either. I didn't. Don't remember that question at all. (laughs) Um, And if you go way back in the Wayback Machine to episode episode 48, not even in the ones, but episode 48, uh, I was a guest on that show. And then, then, you know, but four episodes after that, I became the host, co-host. Anyway, so that's it for another week, and we'll see you guys in the future. But before we go, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is the way to find me. And so, yeah, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
1: If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spockcast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks
2: for listening, and we'll see you in the future. So Jaime, I talked to- carol about this um contentious oscar for costume design for costume design because yes. <laughs> <laughs> as i explained it after after on the more than just code show i explained to um jaime that carol is in fact a costume maker and milliner and stuff right mm-hmm. so i asked her to, to to you know i said hey can you can you make a comment on, on and i just i wanted her to listen to jaime's uh, piece that he said on there and i had another friend who's also a costume maker and asked her to listen but neither one of them i guess they don't listen to podcasts so anyway i go upstairs and just before the taping here, and Carol's been sitting there for half an hour doing research on how to answer this question. <laughs> so that should give you an idea of how much work goes into costume design. So she points out that okay, that the nominees are Phantom Thread, which is basically clothing from the 1950s. The Shape of Water is from the early 60s, so during the Cold War. Darkest Hours, World War Two, as you m- mentioned last week. Victorian Abdul is from 1887. Beauty and the Beast is using 18th century French. French costume. Mm -hmm. And Wonder Woman is from the 1920s, 1918 specifically, right? So all of those are period pieces in in which case. And she said that of the um, like the work that goes into costume design often takes twice as long as any other thing in movies except for making the sets, (laughs) right? And if she pointed out that even in in the movie Star Wars when they were filming in the desert there was in Tunisia, there was a, a sandstorm which blew away all the tents and blew away all the costume so all that work had to be done again right so a lot of times with these people and, and the way they build these costumes I know this for a fact is because I have lived with it for years is they, they <laughs> you and me in both the movie, brother you and me both in the movies well the reason Jonathan reads comic books is because his mother used to go fabric shopping and park him on the curb before as she went into the store and I can tell you when she goes into a fabric store you might as well you could bring a DVD and watch an entire movie maybe two in the time it takes her to go through a store looking for fabrics and buttons and zippers and what have you but Anyway, the 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 amount of work that goes into building these costumes, they don't just like go to the, the rack and buy a bunch of things. They actually hand make most of the costumes that they do. So they'll they'll dye the fabrics. They'll they'll get a whole bunch of people to stitch, hand stitch all the, the suits. Because back in the day, when when as you pointed out with with um, Winston Churchill's time during World War II, World War Three, World War Two. Let's not push it too far. World War Two. Spoilers. <laughs> I know. What do you they know? <laughs> they would have. They would have like. They would have made them. They used. Have used traditional process to make those costumes, you know, and um, it's you know it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because I went to I went to the Star Wars exhibit in your hometown of Seattle back in like 2011, I guess. Um, yeah, it was 2011, and and looking at the costumes, I took pictures of the costumes for Carol specifically because like there's one thing where one of the Snowtroopers costumes was there, and you know I always look at people going to and I think I've talked about this on the show before and, and on more than just Code, but when I go when I go to like Comic Cons and things like that, uh, I've been to Fan Expo here in Toronto. I've never really been to anything bigger than that but all of the costumes kind of look homemade but then again all the costumes that they used in Star Wars were homemade too like they just went to the hardware store and bought a whole bunch of white you know workman gloves and shoved them on these guys and that was what the storm, the snowtroopers had on their hands right or they'd have hockey gloves for mm-hmm. in a lot of sci-fi movies you know that kind of stuff right so all those um, uh, what's his name Sean Connery sci-fi movies you know wearing, wearing hockey equipment as, as space gear uh, by the way just, just I, I don't know if anybody here as a fan of The Walking Dead, but I, I laugh every time I see uh, the armor that they wear in The Walking Dead. Yeah. You know, because it's it's basically road hockey gear, which has absolutely no protection whatsoever. <laughs> and yet these people are running around with this stuff on as if it's protecting them somehow, right? So those of us right. Canadians who play hockey see right through that. But anyway, my point is that it takes a ton, a ton of time and a ton of effort and a lot of research to, to put together the the costume. So the people who do win the, you know, Trisher Bigger, is it Trisher Bigger? What's her name again, John?
1: Uh, either bigger or bigger's. Let me
2: bigger's. Yeah, one of those two. Or you know, those people they put a lot of effort into these things, right? So and yeah.
0: So I I wasn't trying to. So uh,
2: (laughs) I wasn't trying to uh,
0: downplay the the effort that goes into it, and I really apologize that it it came across because obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it. I I think my contention was more like, let me give you an example. Right. So uh, in 1997, Titanic won Best Picture. Right. Right, Yeah. So if I made a little shot-for-shot shot remake of Titanic with just, mm-hmm. you know, I can't get Leonardo Capri, so I get somebody who looks really close to them, right? I sure. do all that sort of stuff. Would I then win Best Picture in 2018? Probably not. <laughs> right? We be <we>, <laughs> yeah. like, what was the point of this? Like, this is exactly the same movie. It's like, well, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. it took a lot of effort, dude. Like, obviously, it took Jim, you know, James Cameron and company a whole lot of effort. It would take me yep. a lot of effort to do that, too. Yeah, like, That question was my intention, her... that like, a lot of the other ones are like, oh, just... well, you know, like, yeah. this is a good composer, but like, that stuff is derivative from even their own material. Right? Well, it's and, funny because I did ask her. I
2: said, "Why wouldn't Blade Runner be nominated?" Because Blade Runner, they had, you know, they had all the sort of futuristic clothing, like you know, like um, K's K is the main character. His um, his long coat has a big collar that he wears around his face to protect him from the nasty atmosphere and stuff like that. Like, you that know,
1: very anime out. inspired that jacket.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there's in my opinion that had, there was a lot of costume work that went into that. Okay, but Harrison uh,
1: Ford wore a, a freaking t shirt for the entire. Third act of that. Film. Yeah,
2: but you know, yeah, and, and he's like in that commercial where where like you know, the guy the guy shows up for a date with a wrinkly T-shirt on. Yeah, but but I mean <laughs> he's got <yeah>. bacon neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know the the uh, so the the I mean like again like why wouldn't why wouldn't that or 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 you look at something like Fifth Element that that had a lot of work into it but but those things weren't nominated at the time. Carol says most of the time they go for period piece kind of like that's the kind of way that the Oscars just goes. They have this sort of they have this. Myopic view of what costume work is, you know, like you can dress, you know, five thousand extras as you know Elizabethan in Elizabethan costume, ta-da! You just won the Academy Award, right? Sort of thing, right? Right.
0: So it's more, more more traditionalist sort of thing, right? We're like, yeah, it's kind of like they're, Lord they're of the stuck Rings the will mind. get it for like, well, holy smokes, every one of these orcs has a completely different sword, sort of thing.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's something again, like something like like something like um, fantasy and sci-fi. They'll get nominated for special effects or whatever, but they won't get cinematography photography or, or notwithstanding this year because I think Blade Runner got that right or is in voted for that one but but they won't get they won't like you know go into the costumes or whatever right so may
1: I run down the list of best uh, costume winners for the last few years for you if you have it was like five okay
0: five, five is good because it gives us a trend for the last half day. Sure. so okay, last year
1: on. was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them which was a 1920s uh, yeah. period yeah. piece right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the year before was Mad Max Fury Road okay, so let's well. give them a little props for that one all right mm-hmm. the Grand Buddha Hotel the year previous, that was also yeah, a period a piece. The Great Gatsby, yeah. also a period piece, Anna Karenina, yeah. also a period piece. The Artist, also a period piece. Alice in Wonderland, yeah. also a period piece. Now, I think as we talked about, uh, the you know, the Oscars overall have biases in every category. You see it across the yeah. board. So yeah. there are movies that are Oscar movies. Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is an Oscar movie. It's made for the people who vote for those types of movies. Yeah, yeah. The, that category, I think most people don't don't have it really on their radar, but I think the people who vote for it are still in that old Oscar mentality of what, it, yep. what, you know, they know what goes into it. They are, you know, the people who create this work. So they understand the voting block understands the complexity of, Oh my God, how long it must have taken to make those period French dresses for the big right, ballroom right. dance scene and beauty and the beast. Right, right. So for them, they have an appreciation for that, that it perhaps, as you say, most people don't. Um, right. that being said, I think you're right. I I think there's there's space in that for you know things like Mad Max Fury Road where that takes some imagination yeah yep. you know you can't and, just and refer plumbing. to yeah. you know old paintings portraits photographs patterns that have existed you really gotta right. put something in there so yep. maybe it's you know I don't know I wonder if we're gonna see uh, any kind of changing of the guard in that category I mean this year you're right like everything that was nominated is a period piece and if you look yep. through uh, yeah, I was just like calling out the winners but if you look through all the nominees for everything over the last decade there are like five modern movies yeah over a decade mm-hmm. everything else is a period thing everything else could be based off of contemporary clothing from a certain period in time uh there, yeah there's three four over the last decade it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it's a it seems very deeply entrenched
2: yeah well like it's like hopefully this is the year that things start to change so who knows
1: well <laughs> i mean this year nothing's going to change because as you said all four of those
2: you know i meant in this category i'm talking about other categories things are changing well or at least they seem yeah. depending on Mm. swinging a little bit you know one way we'll see if it stays that way yeah Any length of time anyway you gotta run because uh we have to do our our bio break and then uh start the next show sounds good all right talk to you next time talk to you next time yep take care guys Bye. bye <laughs> bye